This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities and where real talk lives. Online at FCBradio.com. FCB. They freed us all from tyranny. We stand for things for liberty. And they fought so we would be America, land of the Welcome back to the Growing Patriot Podcast, American History for Kids. I'm your host, Amelia Hamilton. When we think about winter during the American Revolution, most people think of that cold, cold winter at Valley Forge. But the winter of 1779 to 80 was even colder and a lot more difficult for the Army. In November of 1779, it was time for General George Washington to think about where his army was going to spend the winter, and he chose Morristown, New Jersey, where they had also spent the winter of 1776 to 77, the beginning of the war. Morristown was between Philadelphia and New York, where the British headquarters were, and it was home to a lot of skilled tradesmen, local industries so they could get things like weapons and supplies, and it had a community that could provide enough farm to feed a very tired and very hungry army. The first winter they had stayed there had gone great, but this was a very different winter. For one thing, in 1776, Washington's officers had stayed in Jacob Arnold's Tavern, and that was right in town. George Washington himself stayed in a place called Ford Mansion, which was right nearby. But that second winter, they stayed in a place called Jockey Hollow, which wasn't that far from the town of Morristown, but it was in the woods. So soldiers had to build their own log huts rather than staying in a nice, comfortable inn. Supplies of food and firewood started to run out, and one soldier, Joseph Plum Martin, wrote that his friends were so enfeebled from hunger and cold as to be almost unable to perform their military duty or labor in constructing their huts. They were just worn out. Another man named James Thatcher, who was a surgeon for the Continental Army, wrote, We reached this wilderness about three miles from Morristown, where we are building log huts for winter quarters. The snow on the ground is about two feet deep and the weather extremely cold. But that was just the beginning. 28 different snowstorms hit during that winter, and sometimes it snowed for days and days in a row. It was almost never above freezing either. The Delaware and the Hudson Rivers did freeze over for miles across. In a letter dated March 17, 1780 to the Marquis de Lafayette, George Washington wrote, the oldest people now living in the country do not remember so hard a winter as the one we are now emerging from. In a word, the severity of the frost exceeded anything of the kind that had ever been experienced in this climate before. General Alexander, Lord Sterling, marched over the frozen water to make an unsuccessful raid on Staten Island. Even his artillery, his big heavy weapons, passed over the six miles of frozen water. They say the temperature only got above freezing one time in Philadelphia during the entire month of January. So this was a really hard winter. A man named Timothy Matlack, who was a patriot that wrote the official copy of the Declaration of Independence, said that the ink now freezes in my pen within five feet of the fire in my parlor at four o'clock in the afternoon. So at Morristown, where Washington's main army, 
7,460 men, was spending the army, the snow was six feet deep, and the soldiers suffered a lot worse than they had at Valley Forge. On January 3rd, the encampment was engulfed by, quote, one of the most tremendous snowstorms ever remembered, Army Surgeon James Thatcher wrote in his journal. He said, no man could endure its violence many minutes without danger of its life. When the wind blew the tents away, soldiers were buried like sheep under the snow, almost smothered in the storm. The weather also made it impossible to get supplies to the men, some of whom had no coats, shirts, or shoes and were close to starving. George Washington wrote in a letter to some of his officials in January, for a fortnight past, the troops, both officers and men, have been almost perishing for want. It wasn't just them. Everything in America seemed to stop with this weather and it was hard for anyone to find food. And because it was hard to find food, it was also more expensive, which made it even harder than ever, and it had never been easy, for Washington to find his troops what they needed. And since it was so bad, it's kind of strange Americans talk so much more about Valley Forge. But the weather at Valley Forge was almost mild in comparison to Morristown. The winter of 1779-80 is known as the worst winter in American history. Those who have only been in Valley Forge and Middlebrook during the last two winters, but have not tasted the cruelties of this one, know not what it is to suffer, wrote Baron Johann de Kalb, a German soldier who served as a major general in the Continental Army. So it kind of makes you wonder why we remember Valley Forge more. It might be because of what happened after. In Valley Forge, the soldiers certainly suffered, but they remained true to George Washington and the cause. At Morristown, they almost turned on him because they were, quote, absolutely, literally starved. As Private Joseph Plum Martin said years later, I do solemnly declare that I did not put a single morsel of victuals into my mouth for four days and as many nights, except a little black birch bark, which I gnawed off a stick of wood, if that can be called victuals. I saw several men roast their old shoes and eat them. General Nathaniel Green was worried. He knew a lot of the soldiers might just leave. Here we are, he said, surrounded by snowbanks, and it is well we are, for if it was good for traveling, I believe the soldiers would take up their packs and march. And that almost happened the very day after he wrote that letter. The army is upon the eve of disbanding for want of provisions, he wrote. But the army didn't break up. Men did desert and go home, but no more than at any other point during the war, including that winter at Valley Forge. However, even though this was a much harder winter, more soldiers survived it. At Valley Forge, nearly 3,000 soldiers died, but only a couple of hundred died at Morristown. And that's largely because of their smallpox vaccinations, housing that protected them better than it did at Valley Forge, and plain old experience. They had learned a lot about survival in three years. Most soldiers survived that winter, and they must have been so happy to see spring coming, but spring wasn't going to be easy either. They were able to get food, but not as often as they'd hoped. This time, though, nature wasn't to blame. Human error, human mistakes were to blame, and the soldiers were a lot less patient with that. When it got to be the middle of May and a little bit of meat turned into no meat at all, here's what a man named Private Martin wrote about it. The men were now exasperated beyond endurance. They could not stand it any longer. They saw no alternative but to starve to death or break up the army, give it all up and go home. This was a hard matter for the soldiers to think upon. They were truly patriotic, they loved their country, and they had already suffered everything short of death in its cause. And now, after such extreme hardships, to give it all up was too much. But to starve to death was too much also. What could be done?
On May 25th, things got very serious. It was a pleasant day, Martin recalled, but as the troops paraded, they started growling like sore-headed dogs, he said. That evening, they ignored their officers and their orders, and when an officer called one of the soldiers a mutinous rascal, the rebel pounded the ground with his musket and called out, who will parade with me? Martin said that the response was that the whole regiment immediately fell in and formed with the rebel. Then another regiment joined in, and they both started marching to the beat of drums without any orders. Officers who stepped in to stop them found bayonets pointed at them. The troops continued marching and, as they said, venting our spleen at our country and government, then at our officers, and then at ourselves for our imbecility in staying there and in starving in detail for an ungrateful people who did not became what, care what became of us. It was drastic, but it worked. Two days later, meat arrived in camp. And maybe that's the revolutionary spirit, people standing up for what they knew was right, even against difficult odds. So spring was on the way, and with it, more battles. But that's for another episode. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit growingpatriots.com for more information about this episode and every episode, and about the Growing Patriot books. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Growing Patriots. us all from tyranny, risked everything for liberty, and they thought so we would be America, land of the free. Distributed by FCB Radio Network.